Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk and thank you for joining for today's episode. I am so excited for you to join for today's episode because I have a very special guest with me, Jacqueline Tenalia, who is a licensed mental health counselor. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So can you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? Yes. Um, so I'm a life mental health counselor in the state of Massachusetts and New York. And I've been practicing for um, close to 15 years now. I have a private practice that I've had since 2011. And I also am a professor at Boston College, um, just adjuncting, but I I really enjoy it. That's awesome. I personally love, I mean, I'm only doing clinical work right now, but I do inpatient and outpatient because I like a mix of things. So it sounds like, you know, adjunct professor gives you something else to do in addition to clinical work. For sure. Uh, I actually got my start working at a methadone clinic. I worked there for 11 years doing counseling, group and individual counseling and clinical supervision. So I really loved Uh, substance use counseling and so that's the topic that I teach at Boston College addiction counseling awesome Awesome. is it for master's level undergrad both yes counseling psychology students um, grad students and it's actually the same program that I attended which is really cool feels very full circle that is that is so in addition to everything you just listed that you do on social media and how we connected, you are no BS therapist. <laughs> so can you yes. talk about your journey with social media, you know, how you got started and why you decided yeah. to dedicate such a large portion of your platform to calling out misinformation? No BS. For sure. Yeah. I um my journey is a funny one because I actually had at the end of 2020 I had a uh, brain surgery for a benign brain tumor and I needed a passion project while I was recovering mm-hmm. and so um, somehow I was drawn to starting my own therapist account I was really inspired to do that because I myself was also a consumer I, I am a consumer mm-hmm. of self-help content online as we all are and I, I found myself disagreeing with some popular posts mm-hmm. so you know, I, I found myself saying, huh, that doesn't really make sense for me, or that's really long winded, or that's too black and white, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of nuance in that. And so it doesn't really apply to a lot of people like it's saying that it does. So my, uh, my disagreement kind of with these, this content is what 
spurred my passion for creating content that had a lot more gray area mm-hmm. and um, no BS. Yeah. So as you know, I've, I've dedicated a lot of it to calling out BS that I see online. Which, <laughs> yes. And I love it. Is, I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of people have really seemed to respond positively to it mm-hmm. saying, Hey, I, I, I agree mm-hmm. with your disagreement of XYZ content. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as we were saying before we started recording, like, I mean, we connected on social media, but our outlook values seem to align very mm-hmm. well. Like the the things that you call out, I'm like, yes, I totally agree mm-hmm. with Jacqueline. So, um, and that's really what we're going to be talking about today is all mm-hmm. that mental health misinformation on yeah. social media. Um, so I'm so excited because there's so much and I know there's so many topics that um, we're going to cover um, because mm-hmm. there's so much misinformation out there. There's so much. There's way too much misinformation out there. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to just jump right in. <laughs> One it. area you call out a lot on social media is the misuse of the word trauma or trauma response or something mm-hmm. in that realm. So first, mm-hmm. can you kind of discuss, define what trauma or trauma response is? And then yeah. what are some of the main misconceptions that you have seen on social media about trauma? And I know this is a loaded question because there's probably <laughs> so yeah. many out there. Well, I feel like tr- the word trauma is being tossed around so carelessly. Mm-hmm. It used to mean something that had more gravity uh, than the meaning that it seems to have now. And as you know, DSM criteria for what is trauma is, um, is pretty severe, right? It might entail witnessing an event where someone died or was Mm -hmm. close to dying, or perhaps you yourself came close to death. Um, you know, exposure to just really horrific things that happen, whether that's through work or, um, or otherwise. And so mm-hmm. now it seems like the meaning of the word trauma is somewhat, um, has been diluted mm-hmm. and it, or, or expanded, however you want to look at it, right? The definition has been expanded to include things that might just be ordinary stress and not necessarily trauma, mm-hmm. um, if you're going by the traditional definition of trauma. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that a lot too with just, and I mean, I, we are not here to say if something's trauma for one person mm-hmm. or another, but, mm-hmm. and I think we'll get into this more when we talk specifically about like trauma responses, but mm-hmm. a lot of people I've seen on social media, is like, oh, I didn't know that was trauma. And it's like, well, if you went through it and it wasn't stressful or impactful for you, it wasn't traumatic mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah. I've seen that a lot. Right. And in fact, that's what the content specifically was that, that spurred my um, making my own account was basically selling me the message that I had trauma in an area of my life that I actually did not. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, 
well, now I'm confused because I'm a provider and here's this account with millions of followers telling me that X actually was traumatic when I'm not sure that it was. And so if I'm confused as a therapist, then I can only imagine how confused lay people must be when they encounter such content. So I feel like this almost duty to protect people from misinformation. Oh, absolutely. And I've definitely seen that as well and felt that confusion, like, especially accounts that are like, oh, everything's childhood trauma and we can get into that with trauma response. And I'm like, I don't think I personally had childhood trauma, but I still have X, Y, or Z symptoms. So like, mm-hmm. and so I can relate to your confusion as well. And in some way, like this thought just came to mind is are we over pathologizing? We as in social media right individuals for having typical human experiences or kind of like planting new perceptions well i I would say that we are but whether that empowers you or feels disempowering is very subjective and so there's almost a divide online where some people are saying that there's empowerment and claiming more mundane stressors to be trauma and then there's others who say I don't find that empowering and here's why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're appropriating psychiatric terminology and we're misapplying the use of that term. And so it oversimplifying really kind of complex ideas. So there's, there seems to be, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't want to be reductionistic. There's a divide. There's one camp and another, but generally speaking, as someone who runs an account that, is dedicated to nuance, I am kind of seeing those two camps. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've definitely seen that as well. I've also seen kind of of the ones that are being empowered, like, oh, I'm going to take ownership of my trauma. I I have also seen it go to an extreme of like, especially if it's childhood trauma, my mother was a narcissist or my father did this Mm -hmm. because they did X, Y, and Z. And it's almost like, yes, I'm glad that they're working through their trauma, but then are they drawing now these further conclusions? And is that empowerment? I don't want to say taking them too far because that doesn't sound right. But like, I don't know if you've seen that as well, but I've only seen, yeah, like, yes, I'm empowered. Now I have a name for what I went through and- now I'm going to do X, Y, or Z about it. And maybe that's not the most helpful thing, which we can get into too, is people taking this information and applying it in ways that may not be the most helpful for them. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead, but I'm seeing a trend toward taking boundaries in such an extreme direction that people are like cutting themselves off from their families of origin when their families weren't necessarily abusive, Mm -hmm. they were just maybe immature or didn't really have great communication patterns or whatnot, but people are taking steps to cut them, the families out. And Mm -hmm. I'm not totally convinced that that's always, people can decide, you know, if that's right or wrong for them, but sometimes, you know, in this cancel culture era, sometimes I really wonder, did that person try to communicate? their mm-hmm. wants and needs before cutting off that person because sometimes people just go from saying nothing to cutting someone off mm-hmm. instead of you know there, there is a middle ground there and that means communication 
Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if we're taking cancel culture too far and it's being packaged as empowerment and maybe that really does empower someone, but I just don't know if it's always necessary. Again, mm-hmm. I'm speaking of cases where the family was not abusive. Yeah. I want to be very clear about that. Oh, absolutely. No, I've definitely seen that. And I guess going back to like empowering versus like, no, this isn't empowering when talking about like trauma responses and you and I have seen this so much and you've made so much great content about this. Like not Mm -hmm. everything is a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people like in comments be like, well, I did that and I don't think I have trauma. So now I must have had trauma because I have anxiety Mm -hmm. or I qualify my statements. Um, And that also Mm -hmm. goes to the black and white that you talked about how on um, one of the reasons you started your account with seeing a lot of the black or white posts. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be harmful too. Like not everything's a trauma response. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that whole area of the social media. Sure. So just to bring this to a very basic one-on-one first, if someone say, for example, was in a car accident, that was very scary. They might have, symptom they may or may not have symptoms of PTSD after that. But if that person then had, say, a lot of anxiety every time they were in a car or anytime something happened that reminded them of the original event, that would be a trauma response. Yeah. Right. If someone's in a car accident and it was very scary and then in subsequent cars they have a lot of anxiety, that would be a trauma an example of a trauma response. At a very at a very basic level, yeah, being very reductionistic here. And so we have a lot of content online that is saying, if you have XYZ, it's a trauma response. Now, a, a lot of X, XYZ could be symptoms of anything. Mm-hmm. It could be symptoms of general stress. Mm-hmm. It could be symptoms of ADHD. It could mm-hmm. be symptoms of not having enough sleep. It could be symptoms of anxiety without having trauma exposure per se, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think content creators know that oversimplification is quote unquote sexy. Mm -hmm. We like more black and white concepts. Our brains Mm -hmm. are kind of drawn to concepts that are easy to understand. And so when material is presented to us in very simple ways, we tend to eat it up. But um, most of it out there is really lacking in nuance, the black Mm -hmm. and white content. And so as therapists, I find that our role has started to become combating misinformation and also explaining to our clients and others just concepts a little bit more in depth than what they're seeing online. Mm -hmm. Oh, you hit the nail on the head there because, yeah, I think it's the oversimplification. And I also think like people... And I don't, I don't blame people. Mental health care is not accessible. And especially mm. during the pandemic where we saw the rise in mm-hmm. mental health concerns and, you know, lack of access to treatment, people are looking for answers. And it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to find an answer in a very black and white post and give a name to something, even if it's not accurate, than mm-hmm. maybe read through your or my content that is much more nuanced in depth. Because, um, yeah. If they can come across a post from somebody that has hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, so the account looks legit, regardless of mm. if the information is, and it's mm. like, if you qualify your statements and 
you know, are always worried about what people think, that's because you have childhood trauma. Okay. They're like, well, you know, something in my childhood must have been traumatic. Where, mm-hmm. to your point, it is so much more nuanced. Qualifying your statement could just be, that's how you are. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it could be anxiety. Um, it could be you're not confident in what you're talking. Like, there's yeah. so many things. And it's not even something that is necessarily like a diagnosable mental health condition. Right. Too. And I think we Great over apologize. Yeah. Right. It's possible to just have stress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can have a stress response without it being trauma. Yeah. I explained that to my class once. I had a day where I was a couple minutes late because the copier was not working or something. And I was feeling really flustered when I came in. And and so I had a stress response. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same as a trauma response. Absolutely. And I was yeah. able to regulate. And I, it's not something that gave me flashbacks. I was not. Uh, I do not have nightmares from that, right? So we can be dysregulated, but it doesn't have to be trauma. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's lost in the online messaging. Absolutely. So kind of shifting gears, I personally feel trauma is the area that has most misinformation on social mm. media, or at least one of them. But another one is ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> so can you kind of talk about like what ADHD is, what it isn't, some misinformation out there online um, about ADHD? So ADHD is really a difference in learning and absorbing information, retaining information, being able to organize and process input and information. And it's in the DSM as a disorder, but it's really just a difference in uh, learning, right? Mm-hmm. It, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. So mm-hmm. just like autism, um, learning disabilities. Yeah. And we know there's like brain structure differences and which I think that's a huge part that's missed on social media about ADHD because I feel like what do you mean I feel like a lot of times ADHD is really oversimplified on social media and it's like Mm -hmm. well you know things I didn't know were my ADHD and it's like oh I lose my keys which could definitely be a symptom Mm -hmm. of ADHD because we know if we're going through the criteria like loses necessary Mm -hmm. items or forgetfulness could be ADHD Um, But I think, at least in my opinion, and I would love to get your thoughts, it's very, like, oversimplified of as a lack of attention. Like, oh, Mm. I can't pay attention. And not really getting into the impact of the struggles of ADHD. And I think for many, I know, and this is a touchy topic, too, because I know many people have received later in life diagnoses, especially females who were missed early on and they understood themselves mm-hmm. maybe through connecting on social media. But I also feel like, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, I think, but not everything is ADHD just because you misplace things or are forgetful because with a neurodevelopmental disorder, or like you said, like a difference in learning, 
it has to happen throughout your entire life because it's neurodevelopmental. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. piece is missed a lot on social yeah. media. Right. And so ADHD, we know it involves dopamine and norepinephrine mm-hmm. in the brain. And when we are engrossed in these screens and digital products and techie tools, it's activating areas of our brain that have to do with dopamine. And so Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say is we're living in a time where it's hard to not have symptoms of ADHD because we're all just drowning in dopamine with these devices that we're so attached to. And it's really hard to discern who biologically has ADHD and was born that way and who is displaying symptoms because they are attached to their phone or video games or whatnot and and anyone would display symptoms of ADHD Mm -hmm. if they were engaging in the same behaviors. I love that you brought that up because you make a very valid point and I think too I mean so I'll use myself as an example I always say I'm like the least ADHD person ever like I am what a gift well but (laughs) but the thing is since the pandemic and having to switch like switching to virtual therapy I see clients in in person now but I still do virtual at times I notice Mm. I'm a lot more distractible Mm. than I've ever Mm -hmm. been and that goes to your point of like screens you know Mm -hmm. especially in the past three years almost Mm -hmm. um we've we've had to adjust to screens like screens have Mm -hmm. like been part of our society social media things like that but you know virtual learning virtual Mm -hmm. therapy sessions all that and i've noticed like for myself who's never struggled Mm -hmm. with attention even i'm like oh i need to check my phone or we're so like addicted for lack of a better term to our phones and like the fear of missing out. So let me check again. Let me do this. Let me do this. Um, so I love that yeah. you brought that up, that mm-hmm. it makes sense that all of us are really showing some symptoms and that doesn't necessarily mean you have the diagnosable right. disorder. Yeah. And how do we know who fits into what, what category? Oh, yeah. Well, and Unless we engage in some digital detox or something. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why, and I know once again, mental health care, especially, you know, psychoeducational assessments are not available to everyone, but like doing that thorough psychosocial background, getting collateral data, because one thing I've seen on social media, I don't know if you've seen this is quote unquote adult onset ADHD. And it's like Mm. the definition. Is that a thing? Well, so per the definition. Per the definition, it can't be. Now, right. granted, maybe research will come, but I'm wondering, listening to you, are, are adults experiencing it because of our society, like symptoms of ADHD because of, of the digital age? Of course. Um, I think we're lying to ourselves if we say that we're not. Yeah. yeah. We're, or we have to ask, like, why is it so hard for me to detach from my phone in my syllabus when I teach it's in the syllabus that part of class participation is having phones out of sight Mm -hmm. and that still has not deterred when I walk around the room the classroom 
everyone has their phone on their desk. Oh my gosh. And they also have their laptop in front of them taking notes and doing Lord knows what else. So <laughs> I think, in fact, in fact, people are so attached to their screens that the first time I taught, it was a laptop free class. And the students were really unhappy about that. Okay. That they had to take notes by hand. They weren't used to that. So um, I said to myself, surrender to win, and I'll just let people take notes by laptop next time I teach. But it was really interesting how negatively that was perceived or responded to Mm -hmm. that boundary, that tech boundary. I tried, but. That is really interesting. And I'm just like thinking back to when I was like in college and grad, maybe in grad school, I brought my laptop to some classes, but I don't really think I did. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it. I generally did not. And I was, I'm, I'm sure I was more present than the students are now. Yeah. Yeah, I can say that confidently, you know. Mm -hmm. So we kind of like hit on this when you were talking about um, how can we determine who has a diagnosis, like Mm -hmm. for a true neurodevelopmental disorder who's had it their whole life versus Mm -hmm. who is just experiencing symptoms. So one thing I've seen on social media a lot is like the self-diagnosing of ADHD Mm -hmm. and other mental health disorders. Have you seen that and like mm-hmm. why do you think people are engaging in that self-diagnosis mm. i think we want answers mm-hmm. we we want to be able to better understand what do i do xyz how come i feel in this way and why don't i feel like i belong to my family as a, a member of my family even though they're my, my family members are nice we want to be able to understand things and assign labels to the things that happen to, in our lives so that we can better understand ourselves. I think yeah. that's just normal human behavior. But it's getting taken too far when one or two symptoms are being globalized and mm-hmm. you know, displaying one or two symptoms of ADHD is not enough to meet criteria of ADHD. Mm-hmm. You know, see a mental health professional to go over that the criteria with them and see if you qualify for a diagnosis and what you can do about it if so but mm-hmm. we, plenty of us have random symptoms of various disorders without meeting mm-hmm. criteria for them I think yeah. that point really needs to be driven home more yeah. right you can have like a sprinkle of <laughs> so many different diagnoses and there's no blood test where you mm-hmm. say prick your finger and you put your blood on a stick and it says, okay, you have 17% depression and 23% ADHD, right? There's nothing, there's no uh, way of quantifying or (laughs) understanding ourselves in that way, unfortunately. So we have to look at what symptoms are really making it difficult for us to exist in this world and do I meet criteria for a diagnosis and what can I do about it? And, you know, let me see a mental health provider about this who can help me better understand this. But mm-hmm. I think the the self-diagnosing is very human desire and tendency. We want that clarity. And, and sometimes people are accurate with that, but oftentimes they're off. And so mm-hmm. bringing that to a therapist's office can hopefully 
clarify any misunderstandings or clarify a diagnosis if you do have one. Mm-hmm. You said so many good things there. I love that you highlighted kind of we all have sprinkles of different things and at different mm. times, like yeah. different seasons of life, you know, right. you might be more inattentive or sleep deprived or have yeah. higher anxiety. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you meet criteria. Um, I also yeah. agree that people are looking for answers and we kind of already hit that on that earlier when talking about kind of the black and white and easy to grasp and digest posts mm-hmm. because yeah, we want answers. We want to feel understood. And a lot of mm-hmm. information about mental health prior to social media was not accessible. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like that you said was like, what symptoms are making me um, difficult, what are making it difficult to exist in this world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that people do lay people that are not in the mental health field or haven't truly experienced a mental health diagnosis don't understand that a criteria for every diagnosis pretty much is it impacts your ability mm-hmm. to function. Mm-hmm. So like you can have anxiety and not meet criteria for an anxiety disorder because yeah. your anxiety, maybe it disrupts you sometimes or, you know, you might have a bad night, but can come back for it in 20, 30 minutes. But if it's not impacting your day-to-day functioning, work, school, family life, family mm-hmm. life or, and I don't have my DSM in, in front of me, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure for the vast majority of diagnoses, that is a specifier. Like it has to yeah. impact functioning. So you could right. be forgetful or inattentive, but if you're still getting all your stuff done. It's not a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not impacting your functioning. Yeah. You might have some inattentive behaviors, mm-hmm. but doesn't meet clinical criteria. Sure. And you can still treat it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And should, if you feel like you'd benefit from that, but you don't need to claim a diagnosis if it doesn't necessarily apply to you. Mm-hmm. If I- that empowers you, great. If mm-hmm. it's not empowering, okay, then you don't have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it- Either way, explore it with a mental health professional. Well, and I love that you said that you can treat it regardless. Like, and I think that's another thing people don't fully understand. And I do think it's gotten better, but like, you don't have to be at rock bottom to mm. seek out therapy if it's accessible to you. People mm-hmm. go to therapy for non clinical stuff all the time, relationship issues, yeah. stress. And so, whether or not you have a diagnosis, but you're like, these few things are bothering me, you can do Mm -hmm. something about it. So I love that you Mm -hmm. highlighted that because yeah, you don't need to have generalized anxiety disorder to go to therapy to help with your anxiety if you don't meet clinical criteria. You know what I want to see more of? I want to see more posts that are like, here's how to treat your potential anxiety or just mm-hmm. symptoms of anxiety maybe you don't have an anxiety disorder here's what to do about those attention deficit symptoms there is way too much con- content that's focused on you you know let me validate your diagnosis mm-hmm. and here are some signs that you probably have this diagnosis and then there's not enough follow-up you know here's what to do about it yeah i think we're lacking in that second area oh absolutely I've definitely seen that as well. Or the content I have seen is more like 
three tips to get rid of your anxiety. And mm. it's like, <laughs> they might be helpful for some people, but also like <laughs> maybe three things that may help reduce your anxiety yeah. or manage your anxiety symptoms. But right. that goes back to kind of the very black and white wording of things. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think there's a lot of content about these may be symptoms of or are symptoms of X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. but not so much of like how to help with those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, this is going into a separate conversation, but with ethical marketing, you know, mm-hmm. some content creators benefit more from being able to say, here's a diagnosis for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, come access my services so we can work on it. Like there's more money in the diagnosing than the treatment or something like mm-hmm. that. No, I, I, I get that. Um, so another area I really wanted to talk to you about because mm-hmm. you call out a lot is pop psychology. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> what is pop psychology and why is it harmful? I know that's a loaded question. Yeah. No, um, popular psychology is really kind of an umbrella term that encompasses psychological theories or techniques or just ideas that have gained popularity through pop culture, whether it's TV, podcast, an Instagram account, uh, you name it. Mm -hmm. So we are really in this era of oversimplified pop psychology. And I don't want to speak negatively of pop psychology, but I do want to speak critically of it. Yeah. Right. It's okay to be critical consumers of content of pop mm-hmm. psychology but there's there's just a lot of motivational speakers out there who may or may not find helpful or inspiring there's a lot of coaches um there's a lot of you know, kind of what we we're talking about popular ideas that you see on tiktok or instagram floating around trends really mm-hmm. right we're talking about trends and yeah. a lot of it is just kind of oversimplified packaged pretty packaged a lot Mm -hmm. of times right like a quote that seems so easy to absorb and so like huh I never thought of it that way but it really doesn't include uh, most people it's really it might be aimed at a specific person who needs to hear it but it's not a global statement I'm speaking in generalities now Mm -hmm. but Please, please feel free to jump in if you have any thoughts on pop psychology. Yeah, no, I think also you did a great job with that like pretty packaging there at the end because I think it is that oversimplification, mm-hmm. which we've already talked about a lot. Like it's much mm-hmm. more digestible. People are yes. looking for those things and then it looks nice. I'm thinking of Instagram. Yeah. You know, people have their certain colors, certain fonts. The quote, like when you said quotes, I think of, and I had to be critical. Like you said at the beginning, you're a consumer. I'm a consumer as well. And Mm -hmm. before I started making mental health content, I was a consumer and I would Mm -hmm. follow these accounts that had like inspirational quotes Mm -hmm. or like statements that I was like, oh yeah, that's like so relatable. And then I would reflect and be like, what is this even saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or what does this even mean? But they use like popular terms things that are flashy trends, like you said, and then 
you have that package, whether it be like an actual financial package, like join my, you know, group or membership Mm -hmm. or subscription or work with me or Mm -hmm. just, you know, engagement. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think the lack of nuance, like you've already brought up is what can be so harmful about it. Cause it's like very complex terms. Yeah. Being way oversimplified. Right. I'm thinking of words like that have really gained in popularity and, and that has been both good and bad, like trauma bonding mm-hmm. and the mother wound. Mm-hmm. And I suppose you could put gaslighting and yeah. narcissism and, and other, um, uh, re- other concepts that have gained in popularity under that umbrella. But these are things that we, we're, they're trending, right? We're mm-hmm. seeing them more. Sometimes it's language that has been coined by someone popular. Yep. Right. So, for example, um, the mother wound you might hear or see online that is not a psychological terminology that you or I learned about in school. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it's being packaged. You know, in such a way that someone might think that that's common terminology, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's a little um, misleading in that sense. But anyways, it's just leading people to kind of jump on this bandwagon of, oh, huh. Well, I have a mother wound, and you probably have a mother wound, and and so there's more language and dialogue, and um, again, some of that is good, and some of that is just really unnecessary. Also, yeah. I prefer mama trauma anyway. So. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah. And I think for me, as a consumer seeing these things, a lot of times I'm like, I don't even know what these terms mean anymore. Yeah. Like, yes, I know what like narcissism or gaslighting is. But even like gaslighting, I didn't learn about in graduate school or anything like that. But like a lot no. of times I feel like these are popular terms yeah. And we don't even really what they mean is different to different people because there's not truly a definition. I mean some of them have them or right. the definition has been distorted over time. Yeah, it's it's been widened, right? So suddenly mm-hmm. anyone who um this is where it gets into unhealthy territory, you know, that man who didn't want a second date with you isn't necessarily toxic, isn't necessarily a narcissist. Yeah, we're tossing around these terms really carelessly. Absolutely, these these terms mean something, right? To call Mm -hmm. someone a narcissist is has very specific um, meaning assigned to it, Mm -hmm. and there's specific traits that you might see. But just because someone didn't call you back or want a second date doesn't necessarily mean that, right? And so, but I'm I'm seeing these words thrown around Mm -hmm. a lot. Absolutely. And I I think that by labeling everybody you disagree with as a narcissist, for example, Mm -hmm. it minimizes and dilutes the impact of people that have truly experienced or been in a relationship with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. Right. Um, Or like the one, the people that have truly experienced these, I mean, mama trauma mother wound but like say if we're going to like the core of like abuse or neglect from Mm -hmm. a mother or a mother figure that's Mm -hmm. very different than 
but I, I don't want to minimize anything, but you know, maybe you disagreed or didn't get along with your mother. Like that's very mm-hmm. different than somebody that experienced extreme abuse. Now I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. not impactful, but I do think by kind of using these pop popular terms mm-hmm. and just throwing them around, like you said, that's mm-hmm. when it can become unhealthy because not only are we misusing them, but then we're minimizing the experiences of those that yeah. have actually experienced right those things. Right. And so, you know, someone who has endured the trauma of losing a child, right? How how do you think they feel of seeing someone making a real thing that they were traumatized by their bad hair day, you know? Yeah. So, that it disenfranchises the experience of someone who experienced it on a much bigger scale. But we don't want to invalidate the experiences of people who haven't had deep trauma per se. Absolutely. It's just that it, there needs to be perspective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this, I think this whole conversation is reflecting the nuance that we've already talked about so many times. Like there is so much nuance. And even in our conversation, we're like qualifying, even though I was like making jokes about that, like us saying this does not mean this and this and this Mm. and this. And it speaks Mm -hmm. to how complex the -hmm. mental health field is, which is the point of like the misinformation and oversimplification of these concepts that we see on social media. Yeah. Hey, I wish it were simpler. Mm -hmm. I I wish that it was more black and white and easier to understand and not so complex because there would be more uh, understanding and awareness and comprehension like oh you know I have a history of xyz I have this diagnosis you know again clarity can be really helpful for some people mm-hmm. and really enlightening but um but these concepts are not simple so yeah So you kind of touched on this a little bit when I was asking about pop psychology, but you mentioned there's a lot of people promoting pop psychology content, Mm -hmm. coaches. um, We see a lot, Mm -hmm. especially those that don't have clinical training or background. Mm -hmm. Um, We see them selling courses, products. We see licensed professionals or professionals that maybe aren't licensed anymore do have a history Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. So this is not um, bashing coaches, but like thinking of pop popular terms or like terms that we see on social media, a lot of these people that are trying to sell like products will, you know, use terms like lucky girl syndrome, law of attraction, mm. manifestation. And like, you mm. have to do these things to enhance your overall well being. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on things like that and these yeah. concepts and with regard to like mental health and social media information? I have so many thoughts. Law of attraction. There's a lot of we can say really positive things about mm-hmm. the idea that thinking positively will align you, whether consciously or unconsciously, closer to decisions or actions that will maybe bring more positivity into more positive things into your life. Mm-hmm. Being very general, but there there can there are a lot of benefits of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? Thinking positively about, you know, this job interview, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to, they're, they're going to like me. I'm a likable person. I, I bring a lot to the table. Thinking positively about ourselves in ways like that 
can make us more likely to act in positive ways that will bring positive things into our lives. So mm. that's all fine. It's where, where law of attraction and manifestation can become problematic is when we're thinking things like, well, I must have wanted that bad thing to happen to me. Like if, if my thing, if my if thoughts become things and something bad happened, then I must have attracted that bad thing. Right. Yeah. And so, or so, so-and-so who had some bad things happen to them recently, they must have inadvertently or uh, unconsciously brought that into their lives. And so that's on them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's where it becomes toxic and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I just said the word toxic, <laughs> which is so overused. <laughs> but so one thing, and I've only like recently thought about this too, is, you know, if people believe in manifestation law of attraction, mm-hmm. like, and if it works for mm-hmm. them, good for you. Like I, there, mm-hmm. I don't, I think a lot of people find it helpful. Like you said, like the power of positive thinking. And mm-hmm. I think at least the information I have consumed, who is putting out, you just have to manifest the life you want, you know, utilize the law of contraction, a law of attraction, ignores like systemic factors and barriers Mm, that might be getting in the way. It's very like individualistic. Yeah. So like the example you gave about like a job interview. Okay. That's a very specific thing that positive thinking will probably Mm -hmm. help you with, but Mm -hmm a lot of people can't manifest their way out of poverty. You can't yep. manifest your way out of systemic racism right. and things like that. And it's a very, at least in, from what I have seen, very like mm-hmm. individualized, like kind of put your, yeah. pull yourself up by the bootstraps yeah. thing. You just have to change the way you're thinking about the situation, which like you said, can be very helpful. I mean, we use that in like CBT, <laughs> like challenge your thoughts, right. but not everything can just be thought about. I don't know Absolutely. if that makes sense. Right. And so it does have a bad rap online as being kind of a more white privilege mm-hmm. way of thinking, really kind of just neglecting to factor in the role of privilege and luck and, um, what systemic factors are helping you Yep. kind of get closer to this thing that you're trying to manifest and how is manifesting not really a helpful way of putting someone's energy into Yeah, you said no, it better than I did. No, definitely. And to your point too, you know, if people ascribe to law of attraction manifestation, which if it works for you, it works for you. But also if it makes you feel bad because bad things are happening, Mm -hmm. that's not helpful either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And if you're trying to change the world through um, the power of positive thinking, we need more action than that. So thoughts aren't enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, if only only they were. I know. If If only everything was black and white and simple. And yeah. (laughs) If only we could possibly think our way out of poverty and mm-hmm. um, disability. Yep. And um, just other situations that put us kind of behind the starting line. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Jacqueline, we could talk about so many more topics. Um, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. Like, are there any 
topics that you have seen on social media that have a lot of inf- misinformation that you want to touch on before we wrap up? Because we've covered a lot, but anything else that you see a lot that you're you want to call out or correct? Yeah, I don't want to seem like I'm policing language around trauma, trauma mm-hmm. responses, ADHD, and etc. Because I do see it being helpful to people to be able to assign when they identify and they're able to use these words to understand their own experience you know mm-hmm. I support that it's not that we are trying to invalidate or disenfranchise anyone's experience by saying that's probably not trauma yeah. we just want people to be more aware of um, just how the the definition has been really widened so much lately and psychiatric terminology is really being kind of appropriated mm-hmm. in a way and concepts like abuse and bullying and addiction even now encompass such a broader range of concepts than mm-hmm. before and those expanded meanings can also reflect an increased sensitivity to harm right mm-hmm. and i'm yeah. personally doing something that other 10, 20 years ago would not have been labeled as such. Pros and cons to all of these changes. Yeah. But everyone just has to be an informed consumer of content. Mm -hmm. And look at the source, you know, the person who you're following, they might have a huge following, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a reputable source of information. Find out where, if anywhere, they went to school. You know, is there a degree from the school of life? Okay, did they also have formal training alongside that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What ethical guidelines are they adhering to or do they align themselves with, if any? Yeah. Do they seem like they're really kind of in it for the money? You know, so just don't be afraid to challenge and question. That's healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that you brought up, you know, being a discerning consumer of information because – it is important. And you Mm -hmm. brought up such good points of like looking at the source, ask questions, Mm -hmm. you know, because my perspective is if you ask somebody for like a source or more information and they get defensive, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. a red flag. Like if somebody on social media is like, Hey, where did you give this information? I can usually give them a source because that's how I create Mm -hmm. my content. But if somebody gives me feedback that's like, hey, you know, X, Y, or Z, and this has happened before, you know, I listen to this podcast and I disagree with this or whatever. If I get defensive, I'm also not learning. And I think it also speaks to maybe they don't have evidence or information to back it up. Um, And I also love that you identified like, who's the source coming from? They might have millions of followers. Like, when I learned, and I mean, I knew this, but confirming that a blue check mark just on mm. any social media platform just means that person is who they say they are. It doesn't mean yeah. the information they are mm. putting out there is accurate. So people can have mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands, millions of followers and still be putting out inaccurate or harmful, mm. potentially harmful yeah, uh, information or information that's accurate for a quarter of their followers, but not yeah. the rest. Or, you know, not everything will apply to you online. Absolutely. 
Um, and, and I think that's a good point too, because I have seen people be like, you know, I tried X, Y, or Z or I tried this and it didn't work. And it's like, well, maybe because that post was not for you, but mm-hmm. social media can't discern who, like, yes, we can get posts and reels and TikToks and stuff based on, you know, the content we engage in, but social media is not a therapist. The, the content is not mm-hmm. sitting across from you going through your history. I don't want people to feel bad if they're like, oh, I saw this, like, you know, three tips to lessen anxiety and I tried them and none of them worked. Like something must be wrong with me. No, maybe those Mm. skills just didn't work for you. Yeah. Right. The heart of everything that we're saying, I think is really about what empowers you Mm -hmm. and go with that. Right. If it's, if it's finding, uh, if knowledge is power and you like being able to see yourself in certain diagnoses and that's a helpful framework for you. Great. Mm-hmm. Right, but it doesn't have to be that way because you're. If you spend enough time online, you're going to be bombarded with enough information eventually, where you're going to say, "Wait, do I have all of these different diagnoses?" If you watch enough reels and you see enough posts, you're going to identify with a lot of things that might suggest that you have lots of different things. So you don't have to um, subscribe to all of it. You can challenge it and say, "You know mm-hmm. what." maybe I sometimes relate to that sometimes I don't mm-hmm. and so um, take it all with a grain of salt but yeah the, the heart of everything we're saying is like whatever empowers you just go with that go with that I love that that's a great way to end other than asking you where people can find you connect with you if they're like i need to know about this no bs <laughs> yeah therapist. thank you for like, asking um yeah you can find me on instagram at no.bs.therapist or on twitter you can find me at tweak a therapist okay and i will link both of those in the show notes thank you. Um, jacqueline thank you so much for coming on like Thanks i know we me. could have covered so many more i topics. know i know um but I loved this conversation. And I think, yeah, like you said, at the the very end, you know, figure out what empowers you. And there's going to be a lot of information on social media, information overload. And I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful that you were willing to take time to chat with me. Anytime. About this. So. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And thank you, the listeners, for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.